0: Our second reading is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, and I hope my voice lasts out after all that singing. It's the parable of the sower. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. A large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered, because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, and thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. And then we move on to verse 18, where Jesus um, explains the parable. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil, is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160, 30 times what was sown. This is the word of God.
1: I'm just doing a bit of housekeeping up here before I start. But may I just say what a a, a real joy it is for Valamy to come and worship with you this morning. (coughs) It's it's a a real privilege. Um, Can I just say this, that being here with you lifts me. That's all I can say. I suppose I'm talking about a kind of emotional resurrection. It says that Jesus was raised from the dead. Other verses say that Jesus rose from the dead, but whatever it is, it's a lift from where I am and the kind of week I've had, which has been fairly traumatic and busy, and, and I feel as if I've gone to the Costa del Sol, <coughs> and we go outside, and there's a swimming pool, and we're going to have a bit of paella outside in the courtyard. Anyhow, thank you for that lift. I know it's not you, but it's coming through you. The sun comes through glass and a window. And you are like that. Each of you is a pane of glass. Those who meet you sense something coming through you. You'll not sense it often. They will. And what it does, it warms. Life can be fairly chilly. But it lifts. It gets us on our feet. And in so many of the miracles of Jesus, he reaches out his hands. All it says is, he took him by the right hand and lifted him. And that is the word before we reach the story of his death and resurrection, Jesus was resurrecting people who weren't dead, but who needed a lift. And that word is the word that I this morning I'm thinking about is the word I feel and I want to thank you for it. The Holy Spirit is here among you. All I would say is, you know, don't be anxious. Pray. Let God do the worrying. And whatever is on your mind, don't be anxious. Pray. Let the Creator God, the Father God that we've been singing about, let Him do the worrying. And have a good night's sleep. Not now, but later this <laughs> evening. <clears throat> in this lovely story of the parable of the sower, it begins in a beautiful way. Uh, Jesus was born in Nazareth, as you know, born in Bethlehem, grew up in Nazareth, but when he started his ministry at the age of 30, he moved down to the coast to the Lake of Galilee. Uh, to a town called Capernaum, and Val and I were there a couple of years ago, and we actually visited Peter's house. It's now been built over by a beautiful Franciscan church, and if you walk on the glass, you can look down, and you can actually see. The synagogue is next door, and remember the story when uh, Peter came out of the synagogue, and he just, it says, and and he he came home. It was just next door, just across the road, and his mother-in-law wasn't well, and Peter and his mother-in-law, now that's a story I'm not going to go into today, but uh, Jesus takes her and raises her up. And uh, she's restored in her health. But this story begins with Jesus getting up one day there in Capernaum because uh, the beach where the lake was is only from here to Little. It's no distance. And so Jesus got up, walked out the front door, turned left, and 100 yards later he was on the beach. And this lovely story says, and Jesus just sat down on the beach. I love that picture of Jesus sitting on a beach. I do that quite often. I love sitting on a beach. You know what you never do? You never see anybody with their back to the sea. Isn't that right? You never see anybody. We all look at the sea. There's something about the sea that speaks to us. And we sit there and watch the waves come in. We don't sit with our back to the sea unless perhaps we're from Northern Ireland and want to get home quickly. But, and then the story goes that people began to come and just sit beside him. And I can just see Jesus saying to the kids, Hello, how are you? What's your name? Ah, good. And then some people, more people would sit beside him. And then the crowd that actually sat down beside Jesus began to grow. And so Jesus realized they, they, they were asking him questions. And so he said, Well, I'll, I'll speak to you all. And there he, he, he gets into a boat. He sits in the boat just off the shore. They're all standing. And because it was a cove and the sea was calm, his voice was magnified. And they could all hear him thousands of them eventually and he tells them this story of the sower it was a story that lit their lives up because most of them were small farmers they knew exactly what jesus was talking about this was a story about them about a sower who has a bit of land as you can see in this picture and this is a story where jesus tells his followers about the seed that has been sown the power of god's word the one who created the universe, recreating us in a tiny seed. It's about receiving the Word. It's about listening to the Word. It's about growing, and it's about giving. That's all it's about. And Jesus tells this story, and he talks about how The farmer has disappointments. He sows the seed, and some of it falls on the path. And sometimes through a person's field was a public path. And there you see the men walking, or the men and women walking, and the ground's hard, and the birds just come and take it away. And you and I have been to church often, and we go out the door, we haven't a clue what was going on. That's one of the problems I have. I can listen. And by the time I hit the coffee, I couldn't tell you what was said. I now only take home a seed when I go to church. I normally only take home three words of a sermon. And I try and hold on to those three words for the rest of the week. Because I know how easy it is when I hear something and listen for it to vanish. And of course, that's one of the ways in which Satan deprives us of the power of the word. But this is also a story about how some of the seed falls among the gravel. And it grows very quickly. And as soon as any pressure, it fades. We've all been there. And then also some of the seed falls among thorns. And and these are rival desires within us which choke the best in us. They choke the best in us. They stop us ever becoming the people God meant us to be. But also, this is a story about harvest. There is a bumper harvest. And there you see the green fields behind. And that's what the farmer's looking for as he sows the seed. What it's about is it's about the power of listening to God. Listening to God. It's about your potential to become a much better version of yourself. A much better person, a much better version of what a father means, of what a mother means, of what a brother means, of what a son means, of what an employee means, of what a worker means, of what a servant means, of what a, a, a person's life means. To become, to, to, this lifting again, this resurrection, it's all about lifting. Becoming a much better version of who we are. That's what it's about. And that potential is in me. That's the soil. And when the word connects with the soil, something starts to grow. And what grows is you and me into a better version of who we are. We we are recreated by the one who created all things in the first place. And what we see in this story is is not just about the, the harvest, but it's also about giving because the happiest people in the world, the richest people in the world are those who know the value of the things that money can't buy. So I know we have financial problems. I know we worry a lot about money. How are we going to get through? How are we going to pay the bills as the bills continue to rise? But the more richest people in the world are those who know the value of the things that money can't buy. Those are the things we need to hold in our hearts. Those are the things we need to say, I could not live without this. I may struggle to pay my bills, but I could not live without your love, your kindness, your interest in me, your friendship. So it's about receiving the word, it's about growing, and it's about giving. An outward facing lifestyle. That is what it means to be saved. And it happens in this life as we connect with the Word of God. And that's why I want to move from the parable of the sower into a very simple thing about harvesting a 3G lifestyle. Now, a lot of you know much more about technology than I do, so I am not going to wax lyrical here. I couldn't. But 3G is is what they call third-generation access technology. Through the wonders of modern science and, and technology, we can now, through our mobiles and computers, we can access the universe almost. And that is because of 3G technology. It also means that you and I, wherever we are, in a car or in a hotel or on a beach, we can access each other through our mobiles. 3G technology allows that. So we're interested here in harvesting a 3G technology in regard to our lives in the parable of the sower that Jesus has given us. And here are the 3G's. Here is what happens. This is what harvest is about. Because harvest is about the flowers, the grapes, the beauty, creation, of course. It's about you and me becoming a much better version of ourselves through the grace of God. It is about the G for the grace of God, receiving the grace of God. This ability to really take into us the best there is in our universe, and that is the grace or the love of God. The second G is gratitude, living a life where I do things not because I'm wanting something back, even if there was no heaven. We can still live lives of gratitude to God. We're not in it for what we get out of it. We are in it for what God gets out of us. And the most beautiful Song any life can sing or poem anyone can write is a poem or song that says thank you. That's the essence of our faith. Four things that change your life completely. The first word is hi, openness to people. The second is please. The third is thank you. And the fourth is I'm sorry. Those three simple phrases can transform your life, and they grow out of gratitude. We are in this not because of what we want out of it. We are in this because God has loved us and invested his best in us. And the third thing is this outward-facing life. How you know you're with Jesus Christ is you look at the world the way he does, through generosity. There are no mean people in heaven. Before we get there, He bursts open all the barriers of meanness in order to liberate us, to set us free to a life of generosity. Now, those are the three Gs of the Christian lifestyle. And these three Gs are a rare gem. I love this ring. I know I could never afford it. It's the pink star diamond. And on the 4th of April this year in Hong Kong... That diamond sold for $17 million, right? But in terms of what God sees as important and valuable, the real gem of openness to God's grace, thankfulness for his love, and generosity towards other people, that is a gem that you can't put a price on. And that gem is within the reach, not only of our fingers, of our hearts and of our lives, And so we look at this beautiful story that Jesus gave us. And as I said, it's very easy and very quick to understand it. But it's really about us. As I said, it's about potential, the potential of what we can become. It's about the power of the message. And it's about the patience of the farmer. And eventually, it's about the growth and generosity of, of a bumper harvest. One of the reasons Jesus gave people simple stories was help them to take home a picture. I know you have pictures in your mantelpiece. You may have them in your wallet. Do you know why they're there? They may even be on your work desk. Do you know why? They keep us, they remind us of what's really, really important. And they usually are people. And that is why in understanding God, it's important to have a simple image. And what Jesus says to these farmers is that God's a farmer. God could be a window cleaner. In Psalm 1 that we sang, he says, I will be like a tree planted by a river of water. And there you have a beautiful picture, the tree by the water. And the lovely thing about the tree is it draws up the water through the trunks into the branches. And they go to the tiniest new leaves blossoming at the top. God's spirit comes into us, and he just doesn't live in our hearts. He comes right up through and in and out of everything that we are involved in. And when I began to read the scriptures, one of the things I I began to connect with was take home, you know I sometimes say take home three words from today, just three words, or maybe those four words, hi, please, thank you, I'm sorry, little transform home life, work life, any kind of life. But take home the image of God as a farmer, Christ investing in you. But here's one of the images I took home that has always meant something very special to me. And that is, that is the picture of the Niagara Falls. I was there in the 1960s. And as I stood and looked over at the falls, I was astonished at the beauty, the power, the volume of water that's been flowing for millions of years. And I didn't get on the middle of the mist and go out into the middle because I couldn't afford it. I was a student, you know, and you look, look after your money when you're a student, you know. Uh, and you're certainly glad of family and friends back home when you're stuck in bail you out. Uh, but there, you, can, you can put on a waterproof jacket. I think it's a blue one. And what we did was we went around to the side of the waterfall and, and, and I stood there and the mist from the waterfall was gathering all over me. I loved it. I loved getting drenched, soaked. And I felt like doing a, you know, oh, You know one of those movements where you just express joy and you knock a microphone down in you way around? <laughs> it was just a joyous moment. And, and in that picture, I saw what the Scriptures mean when it speaks about God. The image of God that you have deepest. The photograph of God that you have deepest in your mind. Will it turn on every other switch in your life? And as I stood beneath the waterfall getting drenched and noticed the volume of water, I just thought more and more about what St. Peter said on the day of Pentecost. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. The Niagara of God's grace that has been flowing before you were born is flowing now into every person open to it and will continue to flow when we have passed on. An eternal, abundant river of life and of love. I think of the words of St. Paul where he says, God poured out his spirit, God poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit he has given us. And that word in in the Greek language is floods our lives with the love of God. And what I would say to you, take home an image of God. What is the image of God you have? Is it a policeman? Oh, 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 oh. Who stops you when you're driving too fast? Is it a teacher who is helping you understand? Is God perhaps like somebody Sometimes we 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 pitch God in terms of understanding all the critical voices that we have heard in our lives. We put them all together and make them into one voice that makes us feel very small because God's wanting to find us out and He's wanting to put us down. And like a cigarette but... <coughs> he wants to crush us under our feet if we do anything wrong. You know, is that the image of God you have? Flush it out. Think of the farmer investing in you, the most precious seed of life think of standing under the Niagara of God's grace and just let it flow into you. Picture it every day when you get up and the first thing in the morning, you stand underneath the steadfast love of the Lord, which is from everlasting unto everlasting to those who love him. And let that river of grace flow into you. I love that picture and it means just so much to me. But what happens when God's love flows into us? What changes does it bring to us? Well, here you see the farmer working through the field. And this farmer is, is, I just sense that this farmer here is a farmer who's standing in the field and he has worked hard, he has sown the seed, and he's standing looking at what the land has produced. Now, our faith is not primarily about going to heaven when you die. It's getting heaven into us here. It's not primarily saying to God all the time, I'm sorry for my sins and I'm forgiven and forgiven, forgiven if forgiven. If, if, if at home, in any relationship, if it's all about I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you ain't going to grow very far. It's all about what comes out of us that is touched by the grace of God flowing into us. And what comes out of us whenever we respond to Christ is a life that says just thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In the story of the ten lepers, you remember how rare that gift of coming back and saying thank you is. I now say thank you even to the busman when he's let me off. Turn around and say to him, thank you very much. Nine out of ten don't say anything back. But sometimes they do. And I've discovered a lot of things that I never saw before. Quite a number of women are driving the buses nowadays. But saying thank you for everything good that comes my way. And in the story of the ten lepers, when Jesus healed them, they all ran away, but only one came back to say, Jesus, thank you. Why did Jesus pick that out? I'll tell you why. It is a rare gem to actually realize how blessed you are in the people who have brought you up. How blessed you are in the people you have around you. How blessed you are in your health and strength. How blessed you are again and again and again by the mercy and kindness of God. And to actually develop a lifestyle that expresses gratitude and thankfulness. And all that sort of self-criticism, all that sort of like harshness in other people, all that putting other people down, bin that. Put it in a black bag, leave it out for the men on Monday or Tuesday, whatever day they come down your street. I'm never sure when they're coming but get your wheelie bin out and bin the negative stuff and cultivate a lifestyle of sin. Thank you to God for everything. I remember in Hamilton Road when I worked there as a young assistant, one winter's night, and the wind can blow in Hamilton Road in Bangor in the winter. It was a ferocious night, and it was 5 to 7, and I was just going in the back door into Hamilton Road to get ready and go up and take the service. And I noticed this old man coming in. I knew who he was. His name was Mr. Dewey. And I, had, uh, I knew all about the fact that he was now in his 80s, and he struggled with his health and strength. He was frequently at the doctors. But when he lost his wife, life just began to cave in. And I thought, Mr. Dewey, he was he's a wonderful man. He kept going, 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 going. But I saw him, and he was out this night, and it was a ferocious night. I wouldn't have gone out myself if I hadn't been taking the service. But Mr. Doy comes up the wee path at the side of Hamilton Road, I stumbled and said, Mr. Dew, what are you doing out a night like that? He says, What do you mean, Ken? Sure, it wouldn't be anywhere else. Where better can you be on a Sunday night than in God's house? And I knew what motivated him. What dragged his weary body out and what lifted him out of this armchair to get out was this sense that there was no better place to be than in the presence of the God who loved him. I learned from Mr. Dewey the beauty of gratitude. And I would encourage you to develop that in yourself, to look at the balance between the negativity that comes out of us and our, our positivity, and to choose the path of letting God's grace create a lifestyle of gratitude. The final thing I want to draw your attention to is, of course, it's not just about being thankful. Thankful. It's also about being generous because the farmer in the field is very soon, the first thing a Jewish farmer does in a field is cut the best corn and the best sheaves and bring them to the house of God and say, God, thank you. He doesn't fill his barns. He doesn't think of himself cultivating this Jewish sense of gratitude to God. He gathers the best sheaves and in those bundles in his arm, he goes to the to the house of God, and he offers them over to the priest who takes them and blesses them in the name of God, and he gives them away. And what the harvest says is that God has been good to you, so you must live an outward-facing life. Our faith is not about I, me, and myself. That is the road of death. That's withering. That is dying. It's about letting what God has given to us come out, not just in gratitude, but also in generosity. I suppose I learned this lesson of generosity when I was just back from Indonesia in 1976. And I went out downtown to collect for Christian aid. And I was standing there with some others, rattling my tins, trying on a Saturday to get some money out of people as they were going all over the place. And I was down in Con Market, and this this man came up to me, I noticed him walking past a couple of times. He was well dressed, quite opulent looking. He had a little belly, which I know a lot about as well. And he was walking up and down past our group, and we were all collecting and smiling and has, has, hassling people for a bit of money for Christian aid. And he came over to me and he said, uh, what are you doing? I said, Well, I said, We're collecting for Christian aid. We we want to give something away. Because of our faith in Christ and we're out to serve people and help people. It's very practical. And he said, uh, Are you saved? I said, Well, why do you think I'm standing here collecting for Christian aid if I'm not saved? <laughs> of course I am, but I'm saved to serve, and I want to serve people. And then he said, uh, Do you know who I am? I said, I'm sorry, sir. I'm just back from Indonesia, I don't know. And he pointed up Car Margaret to some big buildings. He says, do you see those houses? Or not that, see that property? He says, I'm a really lucky man. He says, I own those. Gee, I said, God has been good to you. And I thought, (laughs) my (laughs) son. So I, 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 I was really expectant. And he'd give me a pat on the back. He says, keep up the good work. And he walked off. And I noticed as I went on shaking the tin, he walked up to the top of car market, uh, and uh, he, he stopped and turned, and I said, well, maybe he's having second thoughts. <laughs> and he did, and he came back, and I thought, oh, Lord, you've been working on him. You know, you've been working on him. And I, I give him another bigger smile than before, and I, I, was, I didn't rattle the tin in front of him. But he put his hand in his pocket, and he says, well, he says, all the best. And he put his hand in his pocket, and he took out 5P and put it in the tin. I said, Lord, <coughs> let me think of who's coming next. And then about an hour later, I, I was doing the same routine, and a lady came along with shopping bags. She was very busy. She was running about and obviously wanted to get home, and she had a tiring day shopping in Belfast. And she came up and she said, What are you doing here? I said, Well, we're collective for Christian aid. This money goes all over the world to help people who are in real need. Oh, she says, This is, this is Belfast. She said, It's a sectarian. <laughs> I said, Thankfully, no, Uh, we don't see see the labels. In heaven they blow off and in hell they burn off. All we see is people. All we see is people in need. And she says, "Uh, that's good, that's good. And she took out uh, a check, a checkbook, and she wrote me, and I must say, she wrote me a very generous check, put it in the tent. Now, I was faced with a choice that day. That's a parable. I was faced with a choice. What kind of person... Do I want to be? And one of the things I would say to you again, look at the life of Jesus and what do you see in his life? Notice how outward facing it is. Notice that he's on the cross and he's looking at us with his arms wide open. He never turns his back to us. And in that lady I saw a call to generosity. And that is the 3G lifestyle that I would commend to you this Harvest Sunday. God's grace, gratitude and generosity. Those three things can transform our lives, and they are a rare gem, but they are the gem of what God gives us in Jesus Christ. They are the gem of faith. And as I look around this congregation, and I begin to know you just on the surface, I know that that gem is here. But I would encourage you to develop it more and more. There are three simple parts to it, and here they are. I receive, meaning the grace of God. I grow in gratitude. And I give in generosity. Those are the three movements. I once saw a Native American who described for me growing up as a boy before the community had become Christian. And the chief in the village would go out and stand on the mountain and turn towards the sunrise every morning. And he would just stand like this. This is before they were, had been brought to Christ and baptized. He just stood to welcome the son. He told us about it. And he said, from that I learned to pray then as a Christian, as the old chief would face the son. And my prayer is this. I receive. I grow. And I give. 3G. And what I'd like you to do this morning on this harvest service is just to end now by asking you to stand and and do this with me, those three actions. Just let me go through them again with you. I receive, I receive, I grow, and I give. Can we stand? And so just repeat the words after me, and then let us do the actions together. I receive. I grow. I give. Let's do it again. I receive. I grow. I give. And when our hands are out, let's link together now and say together the Lord's Prayer. Let's link our hands together and say the prayer that our Father has taught us right across the church.
0: forever yeah. and ever. Uh...